Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. So let's give her a hand clap and a welcome this morning as she comes. I debated, should I speak from down here or up there? And <laughs> um, but uh, when we have intercessory prayer every Saturday, the glory is like, like right here. We're like, we circle up right here. So I'm like, I'm going to situate myself right in the middle of the glory. Um, so who's gonna who's watching the Super Bowl today? Anybody? All right. Who does could not care less? Half, like half and half. Also, both, <laughs> both. <laughs> watching it and don't care. All right, that's awesome. Well, Jesus, help all of us, me included, to not think about the Super Bowl for the next 45 minutes. To not care who wins, what food we're gonna eat, or how funny the commercial is gonna be for 45 minutes. Um, all right, well, we're gonna actually pray for realsies. So let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come in. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to come. We thank you that you're here, and we just thank you. You're going to take us on a journey today to better understand how you cherish our hearts. You're going to give us wisdom. You're going to just shower us with your love. You're going to convince our hearts of how much you adore us and how ever-present you really are. You're going to help us to deeply connect with you in our hearts, God. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to be our teacher this morning and to be our comforter. In Jesus' name. So this, this message is on inner healing. So you know, when, when, whenever somebody's going to talk about something, you kind of end up going through it that week. So can I just very first of all just go, oh my gosh, Ugh, this week has been like, whoa. The enemy has done everything he can to make sure that this does not, you guys don't hear this, because it's not even about me, it's about what God has asked me to share. And so, yeah, the attack was, uh, was super awesome, and, uh, but Jesus won. Can I just say, he won. And exactly what I'm about to talk about this morning, I went through, literally, within, before we started worship, all the way through the night, and all the way through until we started worship. So you're welcome. <laughs> and ow. Ow. <laughs> but um, it's like, it's awesome when, when you actually walk through it where the rubber meets the road because God is actually showing you that what you're about to say is so valid and you're not just whatever, saying stuff and just reading a scripture and like pontificating on a scripture because you've walked through it over and over. And even though the enemy tried to do this, that, and the other thing, um, I'm still on the throne. Our God reigns. Jesus reigns. He's still on the throne and he still gets to have his way when we co-labor with him. So, um, guys, if you don't mind throwing up the very first scripture, I'm just, we're going to um, lay a little bit of a foundation before we jump into some of the particulars of this. But I shared this with the uh, uh, growth track, with the inner healing uh, growth track class. But um, Isaiah 61, it's the very first thing that Jesus said, like how he kind of like, you know, as an adult, when he like announced himself on the scene in the temple, he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, 
And it goes on to say to comfort all who mourn, to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I wasn't planning on doing this, but just close your eyes real quick. The spirit of the Lord God is upon Jesus. He has anointed Jesus to release good news to your heart this morning. He's here to bind up your broken heart this morning. He's here to proclaim liberty to any area that you're in bondage. He is here to comfort you in the midst of mourning. He is here to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for your mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. All right, in Psalm 23, it says that he restores our soul. Everyone knows that one, you know, that the Lord leads us beside still waters and he, he quiets us. He refreshes and restores our souls. He repairs it. In the, the Passion Translation, it says um, he revives it. and He brings our hearts back to life. So we're going to actually, um, today's a message um, about the heart and about your heart. And so let's just do something real quick. This, I'm, I'm, an inter, I'm interactive. So we're going to do a couple things today. So go ahead and put your hand on your heart. All right. And you're actually going to declare these things to your heart. Okay. So just repeat after me. Heart, God is restoring you. God is binding up your wounds. He is healing you. He is comforting you. He is giving you beauty for ashes. He is pouring into you the oil of joy. He is fighting for you. He cares for you. And he is here for you. His love is cascading over you right now. Did you know the word says that the love of God cascades over our hearts continually? Somewhere in Ephesians, it just, but that, that's what it, the word actually says, and it's so awesome. And there are moments that my heart just is hurting or it's stuck or whatever, and I'm just like, okay, Jesus, I know your love is cascading over my heart right now. It's so weird to talk so loud, to hear my voice so loud. Is it perfect? Right here? Hold it right there. Okay. Whatever that, whatever I do. All right. All right. So Proverbs um, 23 says, above all else, steward, guard, protect, and manage your heart, for out of it flow the springs of life. You know, it's, the interesting, it's interesting that the first thing that Jesus talks about when he arrives on the scene, you know, he's like, okay, like God sent me and I'm anointed and I'm going to preach good news. So the very first thing he does is he's going to say the gospel. Like, this is the gospel message. The second thing that he's going to do is bind up your broken heart. And I just, I can't ever ignore that. The very first thing that Jesus is like, okay, after I'm, I'm bringing you into the kingdom, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to bind up your broken heart. He loves you so much. He cares so deeply for your heart. He knows that out of our hearts flow the, the very issues of life. Not out of our minds, but out of our hearts. It doesn't mean we let our brains run amok, um, but it's, it's, it's out of our hearts that flow the issues of life. I love the Passion Translation. It says, it kind of expounds on it. You know, Brian Simmons, he says, um, so above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. In all these other translations where it says, out of it flows the springs of life, it says, um, everything you do flows from it, from your heart. 
Everything you do flows from your heart. It determines the very course of your life, what you allow in and out, how, do you, how you steward your heart. It determines the entire course of your life. All of the issues of life flow from it. It is also says it's the source of life, and your life is shaped by it. So it makes sense that if the above is true, that God's going to tell us to guard it, to steward it, to manage it, to pay attention, to be, some translations say, be very diligent, be vigilant in how we guard and steward our heart. So obviously your heart is so important to God, and he actually wants to help us in this endeavor. God knows that your heart has been broken, it's been assaulted, we're here, it's a fallen world, you know, we run into really hard things, we face things like abandonment, betrayal, rejection from people, and it can just be really painful. So no matter how awesome your parents were, your siblings, your pastors, your teachers, your coaches, every single one of us is going to enter or have uh, painful situations come up in life. You can't, you can't avoid it, you know. So with God, because of who God is, pain is actually not a death sentence, not with God. God has actually given us healthy ways to deal with pain. And the cool thing about God is that he actually designed us in such a way that a painful situation can actually be of benefit to us. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So I'm a visual learner. Um, so if you could turn off the front light maybe to kind of see that a little bit. I'm a visual learner, and so I'm going to throw up a couple things up here. It just helps me to process information when I can actually see something. So before I go any further, I just want to give credit. This is from Dr. Carl Lehman. He's a psychologist, um, and this is directly from his material. So I just, I just copied this from him. But um, So we're going to talk about the pain pathway today. And this, uh, this is only going to be for a couple minutes, so I'm not going to, it's not like you're going to be at work, like being bored to death by a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> I promise. So pain happens, right? And God's actually given us a way to process pain. The very first thing that we um, need is to maintain an organized attachment. And that's just psychological speak for saying getting close to someone that you know is your caregiver, somebody that you know loves you and can, can be with you. The second thing is just to stay connected with that person. The third thing is to stay relational. The fourth thing that God actually wants for us and how he does this for us with pain is he actually wants us to be able to navigate the situ situation in a positive way. And the fifth thing that he wants to happen is for us to correctly interpret the meaning of this painful situation. You know, if we have relationships, and obviously most of this is supposed to happen when you're a child, we, we're supposed to learn that, you know, learn from our parents. Um, so when a, a kid gets hurt, what does the kid do? They immediately seek attachment. I need to go to the person that's my caregiver. Who's going to love me? Who's going to comfort me right now? So that's the very first thing that a child does. And God wants, to do that, wants us to do that as well. So when we have relationships that help us to process pain this way, it's actually supposed to be really successful for us. It's supposed to produce a few things. When a pain goes all the way up, goes all the way up this pathway, and we can go through the steps one, two, three, four, and five, pain is actually supposed to go into a reservoir that provides for us knowledge, skills, empathy, wisdom, and it builds maturity within us. When we don't have relationships that help us learn how to process pain successfully, the pain can actually get stuck 
instead of going all the way up, it can actually get stuck somewhere in the middle because we don't know what to do. Maybe they're, you know what, maybe you have like awesome parents, but something happened on the playground when you were a kid. So it's not about like blame shifting or, you know, trying to make somebody out to be the villain. Things happen. So the pain gets stuck and it actually turns into a traumatic memory. So the worst thing is that when, when we don't actually get this pain pathway, this correctly interpret the meaning, we don't get to correctly interpret the meaning of the painful situation. And it turns into a lie. And that's where the enemy gets us. He tries to, you know, if we don't have this attachment, it's not like you're getting stuck here. You're getting stuck way down here. And you can't even get all the way through to correctly interpret the meaning and to stay in truth and to stay in a place where this kind of like knowledge and skills and empathy, wisdom, where it's actually working in your, in your favor and in your benefit. When we believe a lie, this, this right here just kind of goes awry. So I'm assuming we don't have that clip, right, from the movie Central, okay, we don't have that clip, okay. And that's okay. So most of the time, when, we, when pain doesn't get properly processed, we actually, um, this right here, this is the process of kind of like shoving it into a box. And I really wanted to show you guys this movie clip. Has anybody seen Central Intelligence in here? It's like five, six years old. Man, only a couple of you guys. Oh, okay, okay. Central Intelligence, yeah. There's this, so unfortunately, the, um, so The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, who knows The Rock? Okay, so this big dude, so you know what big dude, buff dude, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson looks like? So. And this movie is basically about a really traumatic event that happened to him when he was a kid. He was in high school and unfortunately he was overweight and he was ridiculed just so bad for that. And, and there was one moment in particular that tons of shame got heaped on him. And there's this, um, he meets up with his buddy, like the one person, the one person that was nice to him on that one day actually gave him a helping hand he meets up with him and they're hanging out. They go back to the high school where all this bad stuff happens, right? And it kind of triggers this memory. And little Kevin Hart, you know, who knows Kevin Hart? Little dude, little Kevin Hart is like, oh man, I'm so sorry for what happened to you that day. And The Rock's like, oh man, you know, like, don't worry about it. And he's like, it's no big deal. He's like, I don't even think about it. I don't even think about it anymore. He's like, no, you know, want to know my secret? It's like, I just took all of that stuff and I balled it up real tight and then I shoved it way down, down deep, deep, deep. And I just pretty much ignore it. Yeah, that's it, it works. <laughs> um, and we've all done this to some, to some extent. Has anybody else, I've done it. Has anybody else done this, taking your pain, you just balled it up and shoved it way down. And you're like, I don't hurt. Like, what are you talking about? I have no pain. <laughs> like, my life is amazing. Um, so, and I, I've done that. I have complete denial. Denial has, I've used denial many times to make it through situations, so. But this is actually what um, happens when we do that. So this is, this is my heart. And I wanted to use a computer-generated image in like CGI and like, wow, you guys. And I'm like, this is all I can do, so. I used a marker, <laughs> used a marker and paper. <laughs> so this is my heart. This is gonna look like an eight-year-old, but that's okay. And what, what The Rock is explaining and what, I what I've done and most of us have done is we've actually taken pain and we've shoved it way down deep in the bottom of our heart. But unfortunately, 
A lie always accompanies that pain because we didn't go through the pain process. We didn't correctly interpret the meaning of that situation that was painful. And so now, not just pain is shoved way down deep, but there's also a lie. Um, the lie in this example for the rock and for me, so I'm going to be really vulnerable today so you guys get to look inside my head. Unfortunately, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but the lie was, you're no good. That's what the rock took from that horrible situation, the traumatic situation, and, and that's, the, the, that's the lie that I took away from my childhood. And um, I won't get into, you know, anything that happened. Uh, it was all kinds of abuse, so I'm not going to go into it. But you don't even have to have something like super horrible happen to you. You know, it could be there for a million different reasons. You could have awesome parents. Your mom, your dad could like love you like crazy. But even if your mom like accidentally partnered with shame, the spirit of shame can be in the house and it can just have an influence. So it's not about blame shifting or like trying to make anybody out to, a villain, to be a villain again. So because my heart had received the message that you're no good, this is really painful. In addition to having the pain, and then there's this lie, the lie itself is actually really painful. So obviously, I don't want to connect with that pain. That sucks, to be really honest with you. That kind of pain is horrible. So we're trying to figure out a way to work through this, right? So for me, as a, I don't know, at some point, they said, Angela, why don't you, like, in my, when I was little, they called me Angel. So it was, I remember this day, the school crossing guard said, hey, Smiley, why don't you smile anymore? That was her nickname for me, was Smiley. And there was a season when, when this was being deposited in my heart through things that were happening in the home. And so um, I had to choose something, and I was processing. I probably didn't choose it immediately, but eventually I ended up choosing anger. It was a lot easier for me um, to be angry than it was to be sad about believing this lie that I was no good. Because if you're angry, you can actually feel kind of powerful. I mean, it's, you know, and there is a healthy anger, like, hey, that was, you know, you just violated my boundaries. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, I am partnering, kind of going into fully partnering with anger as a way to try to defend myself and, and you know, kind of guard my heart, right? I'm like, this is how I'm going to guard my heart. And it was backwards. So um, when you have no grid for processing pain, you can't, you don't want to acknowledge this because... Every time you acknowledge it, you feel like there's no way out. You don't know how to, you don't know how to like get it out. Like, how do I deal with this? What do I do? You know? And so I continued to, you know, be angry. And then I was like, I can't deal with that, so I'm gonna build a wall. I'm gonna build a wall between my head and my heart. I don't wanna have to acknowledge this. I'm just gonna pretend like it's not even there. And then I'm like, how do I get everybody to think I'm good? Oh, I think that might be out of order. Yep, I think these are out of order a little bit. Maybe. Uh-oh. No, they're out of, like, I don't know. There's, like, one missing. But that's okay. So up here, this is actually what I decided to do was, like, okay, well, I'm going to perform so well that I'm going to have so many people tell me that I'm good. I'm going to seek praise, and I'm going to seek accolades, and I'm just going to be smart, and I'm going to get good grades. and um, Oh, and I'm going to beat people up sometimes. <laughs> To just make them know, like, hey, my heart's guarded. You get away from me, you know. But I'm going to perform, and I'm going to be the best athlete, and, and I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to be athlete of the year, my senior year in high school. That's what I'm going to go for. And I did. I was the athlete of the year. 
and it meant nothing because all of this was still down there. All of that was still down there. The problem is with this anger, you know, people, like I would lash out at people and they'd be like, God, you're just so angry, Angela. Why are you so angry? You're just mean, you know? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm really teed off about a lot of stuff, man. You know, life's been really painful. But the problem is, is that the anger didn't just lash outward. As you can see here, the anger actually lashed inwards. And any time I didn't perform well enough, this actually got accessed. And it would get triggered. And then I would get angry. And then I would say, you're so pathetic and stupid. And I would literally beat up my own heart. So it actually produced one part of my heart being afraid of the other. And this is what we know as just internal conflict. It's literally taking my heart and it being shattered right here. This is a part of my heart that's storing all of the anger. And this is the part of my heart that's storing the lie, no good. And this is also, I mean, obviously, there's a lie that comes along with this too, because anger doesn't work to actually protect you but you think it is. It's, you know, it's kind of like for the moment. And then it's like, I'm going to perform. And the lie is if I can just perform well enough, I won't ever have to feel this again. And that's obviously not true. So this actually produced one part of my heart being afraid of the other. Every time I didn't perform, the part of my heart that was carrying anger had to beat up on the other part of my heart that was believing it was no good. Every time I messed up, I would experience shame. And I'd have to beat myself up with anger. And then I would experience shame for being so angry. <laughs> See the cycle? It turns into a cycle. And then, so I tried to protect myself with fear. I actually, I was actually afraid of my own heart. This part of my heart's afraid of this part of my heart because it's like, man, you know, it's like, gotta perform. If I don't, then this part of my heart is gonna suffer hugely because that part of my heart's gonna like beat the, so I'm like, now I'm afraid. So what did I just do? I gave uh, access to a spirit of fear. I didn't know it, but I allowed fear to come into my life because I was so afraid of not performing well. And so the spirit of fear actually was, was given access into my life. And I would, it, it could like, you know, do that to me, like almost any time it wanted. And it would just like hook, line, and sinker, just pull me, the spirit of fear would just like pull me into things. And so, so I'm experiencing a, a lot of stuff right now. And then it's like I'm trying to process all this, I'm trying to process my relationship with Jesus. Because I got saved way before that happened. Way before that happened. I was like, I love you, Jesus. I was like, I don't even know. My mom said I got saved at two. I don't know that you can't get saved at two. But, you know, it was like, I don't remember not thinking that Jesus was the son of God. Like, there's, I have no memory of, like, conversion. Because it was just like, it's so deeply ingrained in me. It's just always been there. So I'm trying to process that. And then I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm growing up 
in this church that preached condemnation back in the 80s. So now I'm trying to do the law, get the law right, do everything right. <laughs> Let's just laugh at legalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was, trying to, I was trying to make sure that God wouldn't be mad at me. Because, I mean, if I'm mad at me for messing up, I mean, clearly God's going to be mad at me for messing up, right? So I continually had this cycle of just performance and striving and trying and the enemy could just whisper to me, like, you're just not doing enough. Or, oh, you sinned. Or God doesn't love you. Or the enemy would put a thought in my mind, and I'd be like, huh, really? And it's like, see, you're disgusting. It's like, wait a minute. And had I known, it's like, oh, that wasn't even my thought. But now I'm beating myself up for a thought that he put in my mind that wasn't even mine in the first place. So I was in this cycle for decades. I stayed here for decades and it wasn't until it was not until grace came in through the the preaching of Joseph Prince who I thought was a complete heretic and lunatic for the first three weeks that I listened to him (laughs) and my friend uh, our our friend uh, the house that most of you don't know Pauline she actually was like you need to watch Joseph Prince and she's like you're gonna want to You're going to want to not. She's like, but just give me a couple weeks, please. Just listen for a couple weeks. And I'm like, okay. And I did. I chucked my remote across the room because I'm like, this guy is coming in here and telling me that this isn't fair, that this isn't, this isn't actually what God thinks. And I'm like, well, of course it is because that's all the stuff that had been seeded in my heart when I was a kid. So I, so I have this cycle going. And there were so many days like, I would actually pray, you know, and even after the grace came in, like I would pray and I'd ask God, like, can you give me strength, God? I need you to give me strength. I need you to help me perform well so that I don't have to feel the pain of shame. So a lot of my prayers are actually me asking God, help me do good in this sales call. Help me, help me win the championship in college. Jesus, I need you to help me. I need this to work. I need you to strengthen. And so what I didn't realize was so many times I was actually asking God to strengthen the very thing that was killing me. Some days I was praying and I was asking God to strengthen a lie. I had no idea that I was asking God to strengthen. Because I'm just like, with Jesus, like, you know, I'm standing there on the side of the volleyball court and I'm just like getting ready and I'm like, God, I'm freaking out, man. I'm freaking out. I'm like, God, you have to calm me down. Calm me down. Calm me down. You know, I have to, I have to do this. I have to do well. Like, I have to make this happen. Like, I have, to, I have to do all these things. You know, it's like I can't be dealing with any anxiety. I can't deal with this because I need to perform so that I never have to feel the pain of no good. And so then anger just, like, lived and just wrecked my system. Yeah, so being me was awesome, <laughs> I have to say. But I didn't want to have to face the reality of what was really going on in my heart. I didn't want to have to feel the pain and the, uh, the sorry, the pain and the sadness. I, because it felt I felt really out of control, because I couldn't just make all this stuff stop. There was so much conflict internally. Things were just like you know, like crashing into each other all the time. It can be really scary, um, especially if fear is part of your equation. Just acknowledging what's going on in your heart can actually feel really scary. 
And I, it felt like anxiety, actually, to me sometimes, you know. Um, and just to give you a heads up, like, when you're experiencing anxiety, sometimes, not all the times, say sometimes, sometimes it's when something like this is actually trying to push its way to the surface. And your heart's like, you're feeling the tension. Like, anxiety can be like, man, this isn't working out. Like, I need to, I need to, I gotta figure something out. And it's like, that's a lot of times, like, anxiety can actually be that very thing. So I didn't know how to steward my heart. I didn't know how to guard it or manage it. I never really, um, I never, but I, I never knew that I didn't need to protect my heart from pain. I needed to protect my heart from the lie that the pain would try to tell me. That was the, actually the most damaging thing of all. And I also needed to protect myself from the choices that I would make based upon those lies. So God, at one point, God helped me change my prayer to, you know what, God, I want inner healing more than I want anything else. So if my life falls apart, I'm going to be okay. And uh, I wanted that, uh, that comedian, what's that, he's a big Mexican dude, talks about tacos a lot. I forget his name. Iglesias? Or who? George Lopez? No. Maybe, maybe. Could be George Lopez. Could be. It's Iglesias. He says, <laughs> Fluffy, yeah. It's Fluffy. Fluffy's his name. He's this big Mexican dude. Always talks about ta tacos are amazing. But he's like, there's this meme that says, like, it's okay to fall apart. Tacos fall apart all the time, and we still love them. Don't worry about it. So... That's what God said to me. He's like, tacos fall apart, Angela, and I still love tacos, so you can fall apart. I'll still love you. But I did. I prayed that. I was like, I want truth in my innermost being more than I want anything else. Like King David prayed, I just want truth in my innermost being. And God honored that prayer. And what resulted? It resulted in a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Woohoo! Go God! <laughs> I remember I took a week off of work. It was the third time in maybe 13 years that I had taken a week off of work when I worked at Zurich. So it had been five years since I'd had a vacation, you know, because it's sales and my, my life is measured by numbers. And so I'm going to perform. I'm going to do it, you know. And so I finally took a week off and because I, I knew I was falling apart. There was so much anxiety happening. I was freaking out. I mean, I was sitting at um, breakfast one of those days with Joy and um, my phone just dinged from a text message. And I started just crying. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm growling, like, what is happening right now? I started crying because my phone went ding. Like, ah! <laughs> Why can't I not control myself? It's because God was actually helping all of this and all of this fall apart. So that down here, he could actually touch this. But I had, so this, <laughs> this is a really, really simplified version of Angela. <laughs> This is the very, very simplified version. So this is, this is what happens. So I, there's more, I, who, who knows that I've believed more than one lie in my lifetime? So this, is the, this was the result of one lie, but it's the deepest one, and it was the most vulnerable one, and it was for me to, I wanted to share this with you in the most authentic and vulnerable way. So it was the one that I was running from the hardest. I ran hard, hard, hard to, to get away from that lie. 
Um, you know, a lot of my self-protections, like being capable, being able, being smart, doing everything right, being the powerful one, and they just completely fell apart. And the only reason they fell apart is because it was really a facade. It wasn't the real me. It wasn't the real Angela. These were things that I had put up, and this was a facade that I built to get people on the outside to look at me and go, oh, okay, this is who Angela is. She's great, she's good, she can do anything, blah, blah, blah. I remember that same week that I was having my nervous breakdown, Diane came over to bring me a Starbucks, and uh, she was just like, huh, I just thought you could do everything. And nothing bothered you, nothing phased you, you could just go to work and blah, 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 you did all the books and the numbers, and I'm just like, Pfft. I'm like, no. I was just like sitting there shaking on my couch. But this, I don't know if you guys know this, but the same thing happened to Brian Johnson, worship leader at Bethel. He suffered a nervous breakdown, and it was like that same thing, or that anxiety, where he just almost felt like, a, like, this, like this vibration, and his heart just started freaking out all the time, and there was nothing, there was nothing he could do to make it stop. It's because it was, God was allowing his, him to kind of like meet and connect with his own heart. It wasn't like you need more prayer and you need to cast something out. It was like, no, like, honey, that's your own heart. Brian, this is your heart that you're actually experiencing right now. So it's like, I know it's so painful, and I know you're asking me to take the pain away, and all these people are praying for you, and you're taking communion 9,000 times a day, you know, to make it stop. But it's not, it's, it's not like a communion problem. It's like, it's your heart. And here, come meet, come meet you. And so in this process, God basically helped me really meet me in this. Yeah. And the, before this happened, I felt like, like I knew that I needed Jesus. Because my life was a mess when I was a kid. I did all kinds of stupid stuff. I was a hellion, kind of like Rick Casto. I was just, you know, I was a hellion. And so I knew I needed Jesus and but when this happens, it's like a whole nother level. It's like, I really, I really need Jesus. Like, this is for realsies now. Like, we're not playing games. Angela can't just go, you know, have three sales meetings and close a couple of deals and then feel good again for the next couple of days and quiet this thing down. Like, go perform and then shh, you're okay. I couldn't do it anymore. I was walking into me, and there's a lot of things going on this season, you know, but I would walk into meetings and it's like, I didn't even know how to introduce myself. I was like, I've had a thousand, over a thousand sales calls over the past 19 years, 18 years. I'm like, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to ask a question now. Like, this is bizarre. And it's because God was actually helping me disconnect from the facade. He just had to, I, he had to let me feel a little bit of the pain. And, it, and I felt like, man, I am just, I'm failing. I didn't know this is what was happening. I was just like, I'm failing. I'm a total loser. I'm not a good Christian. I'm failing God. Why don't I have faith enough to just walk in there and believe that God's going to hold me together and then everything's going to go fine and they're going to sign on the dotted line and I can pick up another check and leave? Why, am I, why do I not have enough faith? And this is like I would berate myself on the inside because I was experiencing pain. 
And it's like, God is actually the one allowing me to experience the pain. And I'm like, how come you're letting me walk into these sales meetings with my boss next to me, and all of a sudden, I'm tongue-tied, and my boss actually, he, bless him, Jesus. He, I'm like, in this one meeting with this lady, I was, I was on a sales call, it was the first one, and we were just like getting, getting them into the sales funnel, kinda. And I said, oh no, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. It was the presentation, it was our proposal for coverage. And it was gonna be like a few hundred thousand dollars was this deal. And he, I'm like, why does he keep writing? He made a chip mark. Hey, hi, Ethan. He made a, like a, a little mark on his paper, you know, like you do one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. Every time I said the word, um, I said, um, in an hour and a half meeting, I said the word, um, 117 times. I wanted to die. And I was talking about the same thing that I had been talking about for the past 13 years. Nothing had changed. I just could not freaking talk. My brain was just like shot. So this is where I'm at, trying to have this conversation. That is how, <laughs> when God took that out of the way, when I couldn't do that, it was like, oh my gosh, like this is gonna be like, you can't do that, Jesus. Like, please don't do that. I need that. I can't function without that. I don't know who I am without that. Like, so, th so there was a battle over just me between, and I didn't know I was battling Jesus, right? I didn't know the exact, like at that moment, I didn't know this is what was happening. All I knew was that all I felt like was I was failing. I am a failure. I don't have enough faith if I just believe Jesus. And so I just started, you know, berating myself over and over and over. I had no idea that in all of that, God was actually leading me to victory. He was leading me, I was actually succeeding. I was being successful. Well, when I thought I was failing, I was actually being successful. God's like, you're so successful. Just like Joseph, you know, God said he's a successful man and he was literally stripped naked and being sold as a slave. And God said, you're a successful man. And I was in that process of I'm being stripped naked before God, and I'm like, I'm failing. He's like, no, you're a success. I'm leading you into victory. You're actually winning right now. I know it feels. I mean, imagine how Joseph felt standing there, and they were completely naked to make sure they didn't have any issues before they were purchased. So imagine standing there completely naked, the shame and just like, what did I do wrong, God? Like, clearly I'm not doing something right. He, I'm, one, I'm, I'm imagining, guessing he had to have some thoughts and questions in his heart like that. Those were all the questions that I had in my heart. I'm doing something wrong, God. He's like, no, you're not. You're actually successful. But it took me a long time to realize. The whole, in that whole season of the pain, it was actually, he was actually answering my prayers. It was in that season that he began truly giving me beauty for ashes. Because I thought, like, if I can just paint this, make it look good on the outside, you know. But he's like, no, no, no. I want beauty. This is, this is actually ashes. <laughs> it wasn't just, not just this was the ashes. Like, that's ashes, 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 ashes. 
That could sound weird if you say that fast. Ashes, 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 ashes. Oh, man. They can edit that out. That's cool. Um, <laughs> but the whole time, <laughs> he was binding up my broken heart. That's the very first thing he said he's going to do. I'm going to welcome you into the kingdom, and then I'm going to bind up your broken heart. I'm going to disassemble all this junk, and I'm going to actually give you a new heart. I'm going to take away that old heart, stone. I'm going to give you a new heart of flesh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work all this stuff out for you, Angela. So this is actually where we meet with God, is right here. I, I kept trying to meet with God way up here. I would lift my hands and worship. I'm performing God. I'm worshiping good. Tell me I'm good. I was like, I sit down, I read my Bible, God. Tell me I'm good. You know, this is our exchange. I'm going to do this stuff good. And then you're going to, I'm not going to have to deal with that because I'm just going to, I'm good. You know, I'm going to do it all right. I'm going to satisfy that right there. I'm going to do it all good. I'm going to do it good for you, God. But we can't do it up here. We can't perform our way into the presence of God. We can't keep the, the healer out of the broken places and expect or demand that our heart be healed. And that's really what I was doing. I was demanding and expecting that my heart would get in line and act free. You're going to be free. Freedom. <laughs> right? Now. <laughs> in Jesus' name. You know, and I'm like yelling, praying at my heart. You know, it's like a yell prayer. It's like I thought I was doing spiritual warfare, but I'm actually just beating my heart up. <laughs> Sorry, that might be a little too, too much for some people. But anyway, God was having to convince me that right here in the pain and in the messiness, right in the middle of the lie is where he meets with us. It's right there. And God wanted me to tell you today that your authentic heart set free is so much more powerful, beautiful than any facade you could ever build. And I tried. I tried to do it. But the crazy thing is, is once I actually started getting in touch with my own heart, and I kind of like finally stopped this fight, this, this is like the, forget the dude that was Jacob and the wrestling, and God like, yeah, was it Jacob, right? Yeah, with the angel. He was like wrestling with, some people say it was the angel of the Lord. I don't know, whatever. Whatever, so it's either Jesus or an angel. He's, so Jacob's wrestling with this dude. And finally, he's like, I can't do this anymore. And he touched his hip. And me falling apart was like God touching my hip. It was like God touching Jacob's hip. It's like, just submit. <laughs> just let's go. <laughs> like, okay, I get it. We had to fight for a while. We wrestled for a while. But we, we really need to move on. So it's like, okay. Like, and I never understood that until now. It's like, that's, that was the deal with the hip thingy. It was like, we need to move on from this. Um, I appreciate your, your fight. I love your fight. I love the warrior spirit in you, Angela. You go. I love the warrior spirit, Jacob. Keep fighting. You know, but like, you know what? We kind of like, we got to move on because there's like, there are big things. There are deep things that we want to do. So this is just what I was doing with God when we allow God to meet with us in our hearts, our thoughts will change spontaneously. So I know a lot of people, like I would fight with my thoughts or I would fight with sin 
or like some thing that I was doing. And God basically just told me that pain is just like a tree. Pain, a pain tree just produces bad fruit. And you pull the pain out. Jesus pulls the pain out. You don't have to deal with all the fruit. I was running around like getting that fruit down. I'm like, nope, that's bad fruit. I'm like standing under this, this pain tree and I'm trying to like whack, get all this fruit off. I'm like, because that's another bad thought. God, Angela, you're just such a failure. Like, what is your problem? You know, get it together. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to manage the fruit off of a pain tree. And it's like all I needed to do was let the pain like go to Jesus. But I had no clue how to do that. Why? Because I didn't learn when I was younger. I didn't learn. I had no idea. I didn't learn even step one, you know, seek close proximity because of the way my parents were. I couldn't seek that closeness with them. And I'll just tell you a couple of phrases. So this helped, this helped kind of like add to the, to the situation, but a couple of things my dad, I remember him saying is, you know what, you can feel however you want to, but I don't want to hear about it. And that was just the culture of the home. I really don't care how you feel. You can feel however you want. Just don't, I don't want to hear about it. You know? And I'm like, oh, so what's the message? The person that's imparting identity to me, my heart is bad. Emotions are bad, feelings are bad. Like this, I can't be close when I have pain that needs to get processed. Because of course I was coming to him with pain, you know. So I disconnected from my heart and just tried to walk on. But the other day, you know, God's been teaching me a little bit at a time. The other day I was sitting on the couch and, um, and it was kind of like where the rubber meets the road. Um, I was watching something on YouTube, you know, and I'm like, I thought about getting up and going to the refrigerator. And I'm like, why am I, I'm not even hungry. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, oh man, I'm coping. Pain, <laughs> crap. I'm like, I don't want to have to deal with this. I don't want to have to face this. Because I, I don't want to fa- like, I don't want to connect with negative emotions, right? Because number one, I don't know how to deal with them. And number two, I was told, do not connect with negative emotions. And so it's almost like this automatic process that's happening and I'm having to fight against my natural tendency to shut down and shut it off. But I chose to engage, and I'm like, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna try to engage. And so I'm like, ugh, I can't, I'm stuck. I feel stuck, Jesus. But I'm like, I need your grace, Lord. I'm like, just pour out your grace so that I can connect with my own heart. And he did, and then I was able to connect with my heart. And I know it might seem like hard to explain, but Jesus just came in in that moment. I said, Jesus, I invite you into my sadness. I ask you to come right into this place right into my sadness, and just make your presence known. And right in the middle of that sadness, like, it was just like instant. I just broke down and I started bawling. And it wasn't like a defeated cry or whatever. It was like I knew pain was leaving. And without asking him a question or quoting a scripture or putting on a worship song, instantly an epiphany happened. And I heard, God is here, and he loves me. 
And then, of course, I cried more because I'm like, oh my gosh, God's here and he actually loves me. You know, when I invited God right into, right into my pain, not only did he show up, but he also allowed truth to explode. And it's like, it's that process of processing through pain. And all I did was say, Jesus, will you come near? Step one, seek proximity, seek the presence of the Father, seek the presence of Jesus. And he took care of steps two, three, four, and five, just like that. And I instantly got to know truth in that moment. And it wasn't head truth. It was heart truth. It exploded out of my heart. I was just so incredibly thankful that he helped me to choose to not shut my heart down. And I'm just learning that God is so passionate about our hearts and connecting with us in our hearts. So passionate about it. But sometimes it can look like failure on the outside. If people had seen me this morning in the intercessory prayer room, you would have thought I was failing. Most likely, I shouldn't say that you would. Some people would have thought that I was failing this morning in the intercessory prayer room. But I wasn't failing. I was actually succeeding. I was winning. And God was helping me deal with something and dump pain. Because the enemy's been trying to be like, seriously, I do not want Angela to say what she is going to say. Because it exposes what the enemy's trying to do. It exposes his lies. It exposes his plan. It exposes the way he tries to get us in these cycles. And I mean, I know this might sound a little bit controversial, but sometimes the enemy would probably rather you go read your Bible unproductively one more time than just engage with God and hit the real presence of Jesus. You know? Well, just go read, you know, First Kings. You know, you know, it's like, really? But it's not, like, the word isn't the solution. The word is telling you about the one that is the solution. You know? And so I, I love the word because the word has told me all about who God is. He's, it's told me that love is always continually cascading over my heart. I was like, oh, okay, so I can choose that, you know? But it's like I still choose to step in with him, but... It can look like failure on the outside. And the other day I had to choose. I was actually just going for a walk. Walking through my neighborhood, you know, it's like getting my blood moving. And I'm like, whoa. Okay, like I had experience on the sadness thing, but I'm like, I'm experiencing anxiety right now. And I'm like, okay, so I, I could put on like the headphones and change the song and like, no, stop feeling anxiety, Angela. I could choose that. Knock it off. I could use the voice of my father to say, stop feeling things. <laughs> That's failure. You're experiencing a negative emotion. Stop. Just have more faith. And I could do that on the inside. Or I'm like, all right, Jesus. Oh, this sucks because I'm like in my neighborhood, right? There's people. They're going to like see me, <laughs> you know? And so I'm like, all right, I, don't, I honestly don't care. I would rather everybody think I'm crazy and have one more part of my heart set free, you know? And so I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm like, all right, Jesus, I just invite you to come into this anxiety. And I immediately started crying. I knelt down on the side of the road, and I just didn't care. I was just right there with Jesus, because Jesus was being, he was present with me in my heart. I didn't care. Anyone could see 
I don't care what you think. I'm meeting with Jesus right now, and it's what I've denied my heart for 40 years, and I finally get to meet with him. It's worth it. It's worth it. You know, God doesn't expect you to change your heart. He doesn't expect you to heal yourself. But I really expected me to heal myself. I needed, I felt like I just needed to work hard and effort my way through inner healing. Why did I feel like I needed to just work hard and effort my way through inner healing? Gee, I wonder why inner healing became a performance. Whenever you're feeling emotions popping up, give yourself a chance to not, you know, like try to just give yourself a chance to not shove them down, go to Netflix or go to food or, you know, whatever you may go to. A lot of times we cope within our own mind and our thoughts will race and that's actually a coping too. I've done that. I've just, my mind is racing, racing, racing. Can't sleep, can't process anything. No matter what I'm doing, it's like, oh, I'll watch that. That's stupid. No, I'll watch that. That's stupid. I'll eat that. No, that's dumb. No, I'll go do this. Well, that's stupid too. Like, what's my problem? And it's like, deal with what's going on in your heart, Angela. OMG. Like, Jesus is like, OMG, stop moving. <laughs> Let me love you. He's like, you know, I remember um, a story of like Tia trying to hug Ethan. And Ethan's like, get off me. And she's like, let me love you. <laughs> He's like, I'm trying to love you. And Ethan's like, get away from me. You know, and it's like, I'm Ethan. And Jesus is like, Tia, just let me love you. And I'm like, bah. But no matter, what it's going, no matter what's going on, whether it's anxiety or if it's sadness or, you know, fear, whatever, just try inviting Jesus into that moment to be with you. And you can literally use the words, Jesus, I invite you into this anxiety. And I'll give you, so on the road, I invited Jesus into my anxiety, and he met with me, and I cried, and it was a beautiful moment with him, and then he filled me with truth. And then later on, a few days later, I'm experiencing anxiety, and I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, well, Jesus, I invite you into this anxiety, and I hear, mm-mm, cast it out. I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to cast out the spirit of anxiety, and that worked. And so it's not just like, for me, like old Angela, performance Angela would have been walking on the side of the road, doing a little running, feeling anxiety, and I would have been like, get out, anxiety! And I would have been yelling at my own heart, and I would not have known it. Because I, I thought the only option was spiritual warfare. Shocker to some of those who know me. I used to, my go-to, my default was spiritual warfare. Sometimes it's your own heart. Sometimes it's just a spirit. You give Jesus the opportunity to speak to you. But the only way you can do that is if you invite him into it. Invite him right there with you. I know a lot of times we just feel like there's this expectation to be perfect Christians, like that we're supposed to have this, this thing, that we're doing it all right. And we'll even say out loud, I know he doesn't expect me to be perfect but then you experience something negative and you still beat on yourselves like I did and like I still have to not do, you know. Um, or we cope instead of running to him. So you see how the cycle, God, uh, the enemy can just get us trapped in a cycle and God wants to, to just break us free. He wants to break us out of the cycle.
I kept asking Jesus, I'm like, Lord, I'm like, I need, I need more scripture. Because <laughs> I'm just so much, I'm just talking today, you know? And he's like, you just need to talk about me. You just need to talk about me. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, Lazarus. <laughs> and God showed me this parallel of what he did with Mary and Martha when, you know, Lazarus died. This parallel with, like, us internally within our own hearts that Jesus didn't come demanding that they, like, not feel pain. You know, that was not his demand that he put on them. He answered a couple of questions, and Mary came, and then he's like, okay, like, oh, my gosh, like... And, he, and the Bible says that he actually started shaking, that he shook with the emotion of it all. He entered into their pain with them. He got down, and he was deeply, the Bible says that he was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion, so much so that he shook violently with the emotion of it all. When I fell over, bawling on the side of the road, Jesus is entering into that with me. And the, the sadness that I'm experiencing and I'm crying, Jesus is actually taking the sadness. It says he went to the cross, he bore our sorrows. That was a sorrow that my heart had. Jesus actually came in, he sat down next to me just like he did with Mary and Martha and those that were with them, and he wept. You're never gonna cry harder than Jesus. He's more tender and compassionate for your pain than your heart could ever be for your own heart. He's just so good. You know, Jesus, he didn't, he didn't, he experienced pain, I'm sure, in his life, but he didn't let it have a voice like I've let it have, you know, like step five, like he correctly interpreted all of his painful situations. And he, and he stayed in this position of just being able to be uh, close, step one, Always seeking the Father, close with the Father. I'm close, 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 close. Close proximity with the Father. And all of the, all the times, you see, he just was so excited to be in the Father's proximity. He can get up, sun's not even up. Four o'clock in the morning, he's off. He's like, I gotta go be with, I need to, step one, I need to be close. And that's why Jesus never believed any lies. It's because he was so close. He was always in the presence of his Father. Being in the presence of the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, not only does it remove lies, because those things will happen, but it actually prevents lies. It prevents new lies. When new pains come at us right now as adults, we can, you know, we can choose to like, wow, this is the worst situation ever. And if Annabelle is God, I can be like, this is the worst situation ever. I don't... I'm in so much pain right now. Like, I don't even know what to do, you know. And you can actually just distance yourself from the presence of the Lord because of your pain. Instead of, like, you know, Jesus is, like, teaching me. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is so painful. I am in, like, wow, like, I am in so much pain right now. Jesus, <laughs> help me. <laughs> like, and that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> That's how our hearts literally want to throw ourselves into the arms of Jesus, wrap ourselves around him and just be like, hold me, be with me. 
I'm falling apart. He's like, I love tacos. Jesus is like, I love you. I love tacos. They fall apart. You can fall apart too. It's all right. There's a couple reasons why Jesus entered into, like, into their pain with them. Could you imagine, like, you send for Jesus and he doesn't come and he can make, make it so that your brother doesn't die? He stays two extra days. He's like, nah. It's like, whoa. They knew how long it took to get from their village to Jesus. And they knew exactly how long it would take Jesus to go, holy smokes, Lazarus is sick. And get back. And they're like, they waited, and they waited, and they waited. They're like, he didn't come. He literally said no. What is happening right now? Jesus said no, and he let my brother die. Can you, like, how could you even? So they, they, they had to have sat around for four days wondering, where were you, Jesus? Why didn't you come? Have you ever asked the question, man, like, Jesus, why are you, why? Like, what the what? <laughs> where are you? And, like, I thought, like, I said this scripture, and I said that one, and then this little thing still happened. And then I, like, I had tithes and stuff, and then I still lost my job. Like, what's up, Jesus? You know, like, just these questions. But he didn't, he didn't like just go perform the miracle. He didn't walk right past them. He allowed them to ask a couple questions and he answered truthfully as he always did. He entered into their pain. He did step one with them. And then he's like, okay, come with me. See, Angela would have been like, oh my gosh, you guys, don't be mad at me. I'm good. Look, I'll go perform a miracle. Look, you guys, like, don't be mad at me because I don't want to have... So Jesus didn't have anything. The Bible says Jesus didn't, the devil didn't have anything in him. So the devil, like the Jesus and the devil, they had nothing in common. So Jesus didn't have to face this. He was just like, no, 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 I'm going to enter into your pain with you. I'm going to comfort you. And then I'm going to go, we're going to do this miracle. And you can watch, watch what I'm going to do. Jesus was, Jesus actually um, didn't want them to have to fake it. When Lazarus was raised from the dead. I mean, they were going to be happy, but they still would have had the where were you question. Like, didn't you care? How do you not care, Jesus? But Jesus wanted to make sure that they knew that he cared. And the best way to make sure that someone knows that you care is to be with them and to cry with them. You do not cry with someone you do not care about, unless you're just one of those mushy, mercy people, you know. <laughs> You just cry at everything. It's dog commercial. And you're like, ah, what a cute meme. Ah, you know. But Jesus actually proved to them, I love you and I'm with you. And I do care. And I care deeply. And I'm going to enter into this pain with you. And you can feel it when someone enters into your pain with you. You know they love you. It's like, man, they're carrying this burden with me. This is so heavy. I can't even believe it. You know, I was sitting next to um, I decided to sit, deck, sit next to somebody um, a while back. And for anonymity's sake, I'm not going to say like who or what, when, whatever. But um, I just decided to sit next to someone. I was like, I think God might be up to something. And I just sat down. And um, I'm like, as soon as I sat down, I was like, whoa. I was like, the Holy Spirit's doing something. I'm like, what's happening right now? And I thought like the glory was going to fall. I'm like, here we go. Gold dust on the hands, glory cloud. We're going to have oil. It's like, it's on like Donkey Kong because I can feel the Holy Spirit doing something. 
we're moving and shaking, like what's going to happen? And then this person fell over into my lap. And she just cried and cried and cried. And I sat there and I just rubbed her back for like 10, 15 minutes, just like a mom rubbing a baby's back, you know, just like, I just cried with you or with her. I just was like, I'm, I'm just crying with her. And um, what I didn't know was that the night before, she had actually prayed and she said, God, she had this like deep aching in her heart and she said, God, I need somebody to cry with me. Will you just give someone, give me someone to just come and cry with me? He loves that request because God doesn't want you to get stuck in your pain. He does not want you to ever get stuck in your pain, whether it's old pain and he wants to help you go back and fall apart like a taco or if it's new pain and something happened in the right now that's just really hard. He never ever wants you to be stuck in your pain. He doesn't want you to be left alone in your pain. And we got to end with a laugh as soon as the crying had like, she had a chance to just mourn some difficult things, you know, like she got to, we got to laugh together. And like Jesus, he met with Mary and Martha and, and those guys and he entered into their pain with them because when, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, he wanted them to fully, their entire heart, be able to enjoy the restoration of relationship with their brother. A lot of times we have to deal with our pain in order to experience joy. You know, when Levi and the team from Bethel were first here a few years ago, when we were first, you know, kind of like, like we've followed Bethel for a long time and whatnot, but like when the team like first came a few years back, we just had this small little meeting and I mean, the Holy Spirit fell. Everybody's laughing. There's like probably maybe three or four of us that weren't, you know, but like the majority of like everybody, and hard, and people are, I'm like, whoa, what is happening, right? And like the Holy Spirit's doing awesome stuff, and everybody is just being filled with joy. And I'm like, what's my problem? I'm like, I am, I feel nothing, you know? I feel nothing. But then I was like sitting there, and I started, what do you think started to happen? I'm not performing the Holy Spirit right. I can't even do Holy Spirit right. I'm a total failure. You know, I can't do Holy Spirit right. And I'm just like, oh, so I'm just like mad. Now I'm mad at myself. And so I thought about just not saying anything. And after probably 30 minutes or something, I'm like, all right. I turned to the uh, hurricane from Germany. <laughs> I forget her name. But I turned to the hurricane from Germany, and I'm like, I have this rock right here. Like, there's something just, I cannot, everybody's like, like, what is wrong with me? Like, there's just this thing. And she, she turned to her, uh, her friend, the whirlwind from the UK, and they both just put their hands on my stomach and started going nuts in the spirit, just praying in the spirit, just going crazy. And... Who thinks I started laughing? 
Craig, all right, Charlie, who thinks I started crying? Yeah, like a baby, hard, 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 snot bubbles and all. Snot was flying everywhere. I could not, it was like, it was so from such a deep place that there was some deep, you know, sadness, some great sadness that the Lord was like just releasing through, through them laying their hands on me and praying. And, and interestingly enough, they had gone through the same thing. Shocker, right? You go through it, you have authority in it, and then you can speak to that thing, and you can release people from bondage. That's what's happening right now. Yeah. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And if you're shoving stuff down and putting pain in a box, we're not allowing ourselves to be comforted. I had no idea that I wasn't allowing myself to be comforted. I, you know, I had no clue. So God wants to actually transform you in the depths of your heart, in the very depths, so that you're not running around this pain tree trying to stop, slap down stupid thoughts or it's trying to stop certain behaviors or trying to stop feeling like this or feeling like that. He actually wants to minister to you way, way, way down here. And your lie might look different than mine or it might be the exact same thing. No good. Whatever it is, offer God your pain. Like I know most of us are gonna go watch the Super Bowl whether we care or we don't care, but as you enter into the week, offer God your real pain your real heart, whatever it is, you can offer that to him. And he'll take your pain for you. I used to think that, you know, if I was admitting that I had pain, I was a failure. But God just like, like Angela, if you're admitting, like admitting, admitting you have pain isn't admitting defeat. It's submitting to victory. Every time I submit to Jesus, I submit to victory. And even offering him my pain is submitting to him. I love you guys so much. I, uh, uh-oh, mercy, Angela. Uh-oh, starting to cry. Stop it. Hey, anger, come help me, not cry. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I love you guys. I'm allowed to cry, I'm allowed to cry. I'm gonna fall apart like a taco. Um, no, I, I love you guys. And I, um, God, like, I'm like, really, Jesus? Like, slides and like a pain processing pathway and like stupid drawings and stuff. And he's like, and he interrupted me, and with all of the compassion that the voice of the Father has, he said, my people need this, Angela. And I was like, okay, it's going to hurt, but I will do it. So I, I do this um, because I love him, but I love you guys too.